Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you're doing well. I am back in DC after a long like week and a half, two weeks away. I was in California for a conference and I spent a couple days or like a day and a half in LA and then went to a wedding in Colorado. So that's why I wasn't able to go to BravoCon. And I'm so jealous of all of you who were able to go. If you were there, please send me a DM. Let me know how it was. If you have any great stories or these little anecdotes you could share next week. I'm going to do a more in-depth conversation with some folks who were at BravoCon. So I'm really excited about that. Um, while I was in LA, I got to hang out with um, Stephen, who you guys know as Faces by Bravo. He's been on the podcast a number of times. We had such a lovely time. We were at Pump getting some drinks and having a few snacks. And then in walks one of his like friends slash acquaintances. And he's like, Blizzard. And I'm like, what? You know, and this guy, his name is John, and he's really nice. And we were hanging out with him. And then it kind of dawned on me. It took me, honestly, way longer than it should have. But I finally realized this was the John Blizzard who used to run Vanderpump Dogs and who is behind a lot of the drama with Puppygate. And we actually ended up going next door to a gay bar and hanging out the rest of the night (laughs) with one of his friends. And it was delightful. And he shared a lot of juicy drama. And one thing he said was, you know, LVP was probably behind a lot of the leaks that happened for other stories. But when it came to the Puppygate situation, it really wasn't her at all. And that's why she was so, you know, like steadfast in saying, you know, like this, you're like, this wasn't me. And please don't call me a liar. I'm, you know, swearing on my kids lives and things like that. So I don't know, it's hard to believe it. But I can see how she did all these other things. And then the women wanted to get her back for all those other things she had done by, you know, saying she was responsible for leaking the story to Radar Online, even if that may not have been the case. All right. So since I was unable to recap the first week of The Real Housewives of Potomac, this um, episode with Chelsea is going to be solely about Potomac. I am, I'm just obsessed with it. It's my favorite franchise, and I'm so excited to dive into it with her. Uh, But before we get to Chelsea, there's just so many other things that I want to share because I've been out and just missed so many different things. So let's start with uh, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So first of all, I was shocked to hear that Jen Shaw was at BravoCon and then couldn't help but laugh when I heard that she had actually crashed it and the network had cut ties with her after her guilty plea. She knows, like, no level is too low for her. Like, she just keeps digging and digging and digging. And to travel to New York, the place where you were convicted or where you pled guilty, I don't know if it's considered a conviction if you plead guilty, but maybe, um, 
And then to bring a whole entourage with a lawyer and a therapist and hair people, it's just, it's not going to do her very well at sentencing, which was just pushed back a couple of weeks to mid-December. And then this week, she was quoting Malala on her Twitter and Instagram, talking about how you can't take away her voice and invoking that because she's a woman of color, maybe her voice has been, whatever. This woman has such a large platform. Her voice has never been taken away. She used her voice to plead guilty to extremely serious crimes. It's like, I I just can't believe the audacity that she has. And then watching this week's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, it's wild to me how, like, even Meredith, who's, I think, a little more skeptical than the others about how the trial would go, they all still sort of believe her and take her at her word because I think she is so convincing and truly can be charming. And that's what puts me off so much. And it's just wild how they're all so convinced of her innocence. And then watching them when she's gone, kind of try and walk through the facts, which is that every other person pled guilty, that Stuart is likely to testify against her. Like all of these pieces, you know, make her look pretty bad. And then when Meredith says, oh, well, in a guilty plea, you would also like offer up something such as someone higher up than you in this conspiracy. And (laughs) They're all kind of like, wait, but is she the head? Is she the top of it? And it's like, yes, she was the mastermind. (laughs) That's what all of this is, you know, all of the case against her was alleging. And then she pled guilty to it. As far as the fight between Whitney and Heather. So before watching the season, I thought maybe I would be on Whitney's side with all of this because I'm still kind of horrified about how much apologizing or like supporting Heather does regarding Jen Shaw. Like she's allegedly the one who brought her to places at BravoCon. It's like, okay, you know, like, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't sit well with me. But watching everything take place over the last few weeks, I really feel like Whitney was being incredibly messy. And while I very, very deeply feel for her, situation, uncovering abuse in her childhood and working through that, it frightened me that she was using her abuse to sort of like, I don't know, put it on Heather in some way. And it just seemed very manipulative to me. And all over the stupid fight that maybe Heather just never heard what was said at that basketball game. Like, Maybe she just didn't hear it. And Heather, I feel, for all of her faults, majority of being which are involving Jen Shaw, I feel like she's pretty honest uh, in general about her own life, about what she thinks about different stuff. Um, And Whitney just feels like not as honest or authentic. Like she'd be willing to do things just for the show. And Heather seems to be the same on the show and off the show. So I don't know. The whole thing just reeked of Whitney stirring up crap and freaking out that Heather wasn't going along with it. And 
I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch as the season unfolds. It sounds like they're still not um, in a good place. And I guess if you're really close with someone and you see them either lying or doing things that are kind of outside what they would normally do just because you're on a show, it would be hard to maybe trust them. I don't know. So I, I very much kind of feel for Heather, but I think Whitney is really interesting um, to watch. As far as the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion part two goes, oh my gosh, it was just such a frustrating watch. You know, you, you finally find out that the women who are part of the Fox Force four or five or whatever it is, have a text chain separate from everyone else. And they shared the Instagram post um, that Erica posted of Garcelle's book being in the garbage. And we find out that it was actually Lisa Rinna that threw it in the garbage and Erica's the one that posted it. But what was so frustrating for myself and probably most of you who were watching was that it seemed as if there was not a question to Garcelle about how that made her feel. And it was much more about how Erica took the blame for Rinna and how they were laughing about, you know, being yelled at for not recycling. And that just seemed to sort of miss the, the main point. However, after my conversation with Alyssa Mass a few weeks ago um, and finding out how much stuff is actually cut, I wondered if maybe there was a conversation that where Garcelle was able to share her feelings and it was just for whatever reason cut from the episode that we saw. Um, I'm also really happy that Crystal has seemingly found her voice. I want her to speak out more. I want her to articulate how she's feeling. And, you know, I do feel, though, that she did make a slight mistake during the season when she was pressed by Garcelle you know, saying that Sutton said something else that was very dark. And she didn't say very dark to her or that the conversation overall was very dark. She made it seem like there was something specific that Sutton said that was really, really racist and that probably any person would find racist. And it sounds like maybe that just didn't happen and she was not great at explaining herself And I really feel for Crystal because she was put in a really tough spot by Garcelle, who essentially accused her of race baiting. You know, oh, regardless of what Sutton said, you were going to say, are you that girl? Are you that girl who doesn't see color? And I thought that was a pretty crappy thing of Garcelle to do to Crystal. And I feel like Crystal maybe couldn't find her words. And I don't know. Or... Sutton actually said something extremely racist, but they've moved past it and she agreed not to mention it on camera. I have no idea, but it does look like she kind of maybe misspoke a little. Regardless, I feel like they're harder on Crystal than they need to be. And there's something about her that really, like Kyle, just really can't stand. And she almost makes it as if Crystal isn't entitled to her own feelings and thoughts. And I don't know. And these women are so hypocritical for Lisa Rinna to make such a big stink about her daughter being in Garcelle's book over something just stating what actually happened on the show and Garcelle using it almost as admitting to a mistake or a mishap that she had. 
And then for Rinna to post, and then of course immediately delete, a retweet of, uh, or a tweet where they mentioned like Kathy putting Paris in that horrible boarding school where she was abused. Like, when are kids off limits? Is it when it's your kid or is it when it's someone else's kid? You know, like all of it's just really awful. And now we've got allegations that Lisa Rinna actually created the bot account Woke Stan, which is the account that tweeted the stuff about Kathy in Paris. And it's just because it apparently matched her IP address or something. I don't know. The whole thing is just crazy. But it goes back to what I was saying in last week's episode that I feel that Lisa Renna has a very serious social media addiction. She is so compulsive. And they talked about it in this week's episode that she can't help herself, that she gets a rush or a high off of like tweeting and posting on Instagram, like these horrible things. So I don't know. I... The problem here is that we're all talking about Lisa Rinna, and she got booed at BravoCon. And the number one thing that the network likes is for us as the audience to have a strong opinion about the people on our screen. And so I don't see her being cut anytime soon, but I really wish she would be given maybe a friend of role and told to get some help because of all the people who need it. I just feel like she she's admitting she tried to take a break from social media and she failed because she couldn't stop herself. And, and I think that's worrisome. Um, Southern charm wrapped up. We got to see that reunion. It really still seemed kind of disjointed. I thought we were going to get a little more explanation. Um, and, I still feel like I didn't understand why some people were still upset with others. And it was just very confusing for me. For example, throughout the whole reunion, Catherine seemed to hate Leva. But then towards the end, she was like, I really want to work on a relationship. I don't know. The whole It was very confusing to me. Um, but I totally believe that Craig said that he's the most popular person on Bravo to Leva. And we'll get to Winterhouse in a second, but his behavior is just absolutely horrendous. And then with the Taylor and Shep of it all, my heart broke for Taylor because you could tell that she was truly heartbroken. And I think she hadn't had enough time to process the breakup um, or deal with like the anger that she has towards Shep prior to filming. But it did feel like misguided. I think she's actually just upset with herself for staying with someone with whom she didn't see the world like at the same as. I don't know. I didn't like how she was trying to shame him for the amount of sexual partners he's had, like trying to shame herself for being the whore who lasted the longest. All of it was just, you know, clouded in so much judgment And then I really didn't like it when she was like, we're different. I've traveled to third world countries and slept on the floor for two weeks. It's like, oh, sweetie. (laughs) Anyone who does work in low income countries knows not to call the countries third world countries. Okay. And (laughs) to like, act as if you're some sort of savior because you slept on the floor for two weeks willingly when you probably went on a mission that was problematic (laughs) at best. Like, oh, 
I just, I can't. As someone who works in like global health, it just, it just drives me nuts because a lot of mission work, while well-intentioned, um, can actually create a lot of problems. And the same goes for medical missions. Like you go in, you bring all these resources for a very short time to a certain community, potentially undermining the local health system. And then rather than doing anything to have sustainability for whatever you're doing, you just like hightail it out of there um, and create, you know, sometimes a, a gap that maybe wasn't even there before. So there's a lot of I don't know. She really irked me with that statement, thinking that she's some sort of like white savior who, you know, saved all these poor people in third world countries. It just, I don't know, pissed me off. Um, okay. Winter house. <laughs> Sorry, this is a, like a long, like intro to this podcast, but so I've always loved winter house because I think it's absolutely chaotic, but it's becoming chaotic in a really like ugly way and not in one that's enjoyable to watch. Craig is an absolute nightmare when he was breaking all those glasses and then refusing to clean up the next day because he has too much money and he doesn't need to clean was the most entitled asshole behavior I've probably seen in a long time on this network. He is such a jerk. It, you know, and then he's so juvenile, like maybe he hasn't matured the way that he's trying to show us he has. And we could see in how he treated Naomi that he's got a level of maturity, maturing to still do. But to act as if you're not having fun on vacation if you don't trash the house that you're in is horrible. Like, what is wrong with you? And then he definitely seemed like he was going into the trip with a vendetta against Luke. We'll get to Luke in a second. But I am totally on Luke's side when it comes to what happened at the 4th of July. Apparently, all those guys went to visit Luke at his cabin in northern Minnesota. Craig happened to come across some fireworks that were in the room Craig was staying in. And without asking for permission, he went and lit those fireworks without any taking any precautions right near the cabin and right near Luke's boat. And that is just an absolute no-no. Plus in Minnesota, there's a lot more, I guess, like regulations around when you can use fireworks. It's very different in Wisconsin. So people often, you know, drive to Wisconsin to get fireworks and bring them back to Minnesota. But you, I don't think you can set them off illegally. It's different if it's like firecrackers or ones that are just a little lower to the ground, but these fireworks are super dangerous. And um, I think Luke was trying to hold Craig accountable for his behavior. And we've seen that Craig doesn't like to take any accountability for anything he ever does. However, when it came to this new girl, Jessica, who everyone points out is looking like Lindsay, and I I agree, um, Luke definitely should do a better job of reading women's body language. It was clear when she was kind of hunched over that she didn't want the massage from him. And I think Luke is a little more touchy feely than he should be. At the same time, I can understand why he was confused because not a day and a half earlier, Jessica had verbalized to him that she was into him, right? She said, I don't like Jason. I like you. And so Luke is probably replaying that in his head, but he's not taking the signals that maybe she changed her mind. And 
I'm not trying to victim blame. She doesn't have, she doesn't owe him anything, but I do think it would have been helpful if she verbalized to him what she verbalized to the rest of the cast, which was that I'm not really into him. And actually you are coming on too strong and making me uncomfortable. That would have been probably a better way to handle it than just like talk to everyone and have everyone talk behind Luke's back. I wish Luke was able to take a hint. He definitely needs to rethink his views on consent and like how you need to have continuous, what is it, um, enthusiastic consent for absolutely everything you do physically with someone. He wasn't in a relationship with her. He just met her. And it seems like maybe there is a pattern of him coming on a little too strong. And when someone doesn't want that, you need to be able to tell. So I appreciated that Craig was trying to check him, but the way in which Craig checked him actually made it more about Craig than it was about Jessica. And I think it really embarrassed Jessica. And, you know, the whole thing just could have been dealt with so much better. Like Luke should have taken her cues. Jessica maybe should have voiced to him, I'm actually not into you anymore. And I've actually told everyone else in the house, but you... And um, Craig could have said it without it being this whole like screaming match, right? He could have been like, she's uncomfortable. I really think she's uncomfortable. Could you take a step back? And please don't touch my girlfriend. I'd appreciate if you don't touch her. Like, But he's also taking away Jessica and Paige's voice where they could voice like, I actually don't want you touching me, right? So all of it was just so messy and so awful. Um, and I felt for... Jessica a lot because I think she was just embarrassed and she knows this is all going to be on TV and it's just like an uncomfortable situation when you have someone like violating your space like that and touching you when you don't want to be and maybe it triggered something in her where she wasn't able to speak up where she kind of froze so you know she's the one who I stand with in this situation and Luke, you know, should have been able, again, to read her cues. So while I normally absolutely love Luke and do think he is a kind person, I think he has a little to learn about sort of boundaries and consent and touching other people. But I am very excited if him and Ashley Darby are, in fact, dating because it seems like she wants someone who can come on strong, and he has made it very clear that he is good at coming on strong. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. The other thing I wanted to talk about was the new Roni cast that was announced at BravoCon. So I've always been a little hesitant of this new cast because if they're younger and they're influencers, are they going to be quote unquote real? Are they an actual group of friends? Are they just doing it to promote businesses? I don't know, but I'm definitely going to give it a shot. I'm excited that they really seem to represent New York City, their different races, ethnicities, cultures, religions. I'm especially excited about Jenna Lyons, not only because she's in her mid-50s, even though she looks 35, but I think that she has a fascinating life. She used to run J. Crew, and she is an open lesbian. And I think that would make her the third lesbian housewife. So I'm super excited for her to be on the cast. I did also want to mention that there are two Jewish women on the cast, um, Lizzie Savetsky, who I believe is modern Orthodox. She also 
used to live in Dallas, Texas, and I believe is rumored to have like tried out to be on the Real Housewives of Dallas and then maybe moved to New York to get on the Real Housewives of New York. So she seems a bit thirsty. And then there's Aaron uh, Dana Licky, who is Israeli. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about some of the hate Lizzie has been getting. And I understand like she has a lot of inflammatory posts. Some of them I think are very personally hurtful and hateful. Um, what she wrote about Bernie Sanders being a self-hating Jew uh, is absolutely disgusting. She's also had a lot of things um on her social media that are like blindly supportive of the Israeli military, which I also find to be um, not great. But, you know, I don't I also don't really see it as that different from Vicki Gunvalson ever posting about what she thinks about Trump or vaccines or whatever, like there's going to be housewives with whom I disagree. What I find really difficult is that a lot of people online are giving her hate because she is a self-proclaimed Zionist. And I just wanted to take a minute to talk about what a Zionist is and what it is often misconstrued to be, um, because I don't want people who like aren't involved in Judaism or Zionism to take a, a word and define it for us. So the ADL defines Zionism as the movement for the self-determination and statehood for the Jewish people in their ancestral homeland, the land of Israel. The vast majority of Jews around the world do feel a connection and kinship to Israel, whether or not they identify as Zionists, and regardless of their opinions on the policies of the Israeli government. So in short, 95% of American Jews identify as Zionist because they believe Israel should exist as a country. They don't necessarily agree on its borders, on whether or not there should be a neighboring Palestinian state, whether or not certain land should be given up, whether or not they like the current government or hate the current government. The only thing that is agreed upon by Zionists is believing in Jewish self-determination and Israel to exist as a state in some capacity, which was voted by the United Nations in 1948. There are a lot of people who have begun to use the term Zionist to mean someone who is an Israeli nationalist, right? Someone who is an apologist for the government, for the military, for potentially mistreatment of Palestinians, someone who is anti-Palestinian, someone who is Islamophobic. And that is not the actual definition of what a Zionist or Zionism is. And so I just wanted to correct the record on that. And I don't think it's fair for other people to determine what that word means. And they're using it in a really negative light. And I think the reason they're using it in a negative light is because they're taking it to mean someone who is an Israeli nationalist, which Lizzie may be. I mean, looking at her social media, <laughs> it's definitely possible. But what was really hard is just watching people say, oh, she should be fired because she's a Zionist. You know, the Israeli flag is a Blue Lives Matter flag and just a lot of things that I find to be anti-Semitic and hateful. Andy Cohn weighed in a bit just because there's been a lot of anti-Semitism <laughs> happening uh, in the media recently um, and by a lot of very well-known people. He wrote, the amount of anti-Semitism coming from all corners is fucking alarming. And when I clicked on the tweet, the first response I saw was someone that wrote, maybe if y'all didn't do 9-11, we wouldn't have this problem. 
And like, this is a conspiracy theory that I've actually heard people say to my face about Jews being behind 9-11. And it's, it's obviously very hurtful. And Israel-Palestine has always been like a very controversial topic that stirs up a lot of emotion in people, you know, stirs up a lot of emotion in me. I'm always feeling like super conflicted as a Jewish American about this and the current Israeli government, which I like vehemently dis- disagree with. Um, but I also am thinking like to be really honest about my dad and when he was a refugee and was living temporarily in Europe they were trying to figure out where he would go these different refugee um, organizations and you know would they be able to set him up and his family up with a relative in the U.S. that would sponsor them or if that didn't happen they would be sent to Israel because Israel was taking you know refugees and Jews that weren't safe where they were living. And so like, that's also very personal to me. All I'm saying is that it's totally fine if you hate or dislike Lizzie Savetsky, like totally fine. I think she's a thirsty bitch. And I don't really like influencers. But part of me is excited to see an Orthodox Jew on the show to actually showcase like what you know, observant Judaism is to the general public. Um, but I'm also like, ugh, her views are horrible. You know what I mean? So I'm anyway, but you can hate her. It's totally fine. I just would implore you not to use the term Zionist in a negative light as if that means someone who like hates Palestinians, because that is not what it's supposed to mean. Anyway. I've said enough. I'm sure I've pissed off a lot of people, but I just wanted to, you know, I just, when it comes to certain terms, it's like, I don't want other people to use them to redefine what they are, um, especially people for who aren't Zionists or who aren't Jewish, right? Um, I don't want to redefine terms for other people or reclaim terms for other people. So I'd ask that people not um, change what the real definition is. And I want to be crystal clear that I do not stand for any Islamophobia or hate against the Palestinian people. Any form of hate or bigotry has no place in my life and uh, shouldn't have any place on these shows that we watch. And again, I cannot defend Lizzie's social media. I have not gone through all of it. Um, A lot of it sounds reprehensible. I just wanted to talk about the criticism where people were using that specific word. So I hope I'm clear. Um, And if people want to talk about this more or have feedback for me, you can reach out to me in my DMs at Mandy Slutsker. As always, if you like the podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a kind review. If you have notes for me or things you disagree with, like I welcome debate. I also welcome differing opinions. That's what I think podcasts are all about. It's like fine to have different opinions from other people. And I certainly don't know everything and I'm constantly learning. So you know, I'd appreciate if you reach out in my DMs rather than leaving um, a mean review or like a not very nice comment on my public Instagram page. So yeah, anyways, I'm very excited about this week's guest. It's Chelsea at Oh No Chels. She is so, so hilarious. And we have a great chat about The Real Housewives of Potomac. You guys all know that is my absolute favorite franchise. I am obsessed with it. Um, if you are a Wendy stan, I kind of go after her a bit uh, towards the end of the episode. So you may just want to skip that part. Um, but anyways, I think I was kind of hard on her. Um, 
Anyways, hope you guys like this episode. Going to take a quick break and then back with Chelsea. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, everyone. I am here with a very special guest from the DMV area, Chelsea from the I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. We had Donnie on a few weeks ago. Now we've got Chelsea. You know her from the Instagram account, Oh No Chels. Welcome to the podcast again. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to talk about what we will be talking about this evening. (laughs) We should just dive right in. So you and I both haven't talked to anyone else about the Real Housewives of Potomac yet. We've got two episodes under our belt. Overall, how are you feeling about the season? I'm always so excited when Potomac comes back. And I think, I mean, I was one of, I think, the only people it seemed like on the internet that really still enjoyed Beverly Hills. Like, I I still very much enjoyed it. I did, too. You did? Okay, because I feel like the general narrative was everybody was like, so annoyed and done by it. I found it delightful. I don't know if it's because I just unfollowed all of them and started treating them all like they were just like characters on a TV show and they're all villains in a soap opera because that's what Lisa Rinna wants us to think anyway. Like that, (laughs) I think that helped my mental health of just not following the online circus. But it's always so funny when we go from Beverly Hills to Potomac just because the juxtaposition and energy and openness and ability to own it, baby. Like it's just all so different. And it's just so refreshing to see the Potomac women understand what they're there to do. And even if they don't want to talk about something like seeing, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but seeing Candace realize what the other women want her storyline to be this season and seeing her like go through the stages of grief towards acceptance and then being like, well, then I'm going to have a little moment with the producer, but I'm still going to give you a show. Like we would never get that from Beverly Hills. We get other things from Beverly Hills, but like nobody makes me laugh harder than the women of Potomac. Same. I am laughing constantly. And it's like, because so many of these women, it's now their seventh season together. I feel like I know them. I'm laughing when they're laughing. I'm like, oh, of course, Karen would do that. That's so Karen. Or, oh, Giselle's being messy boots. You know, like, you just feel like you know these women. And I find so much joy in them showing the city that I live in and places that I actually go. And Mm -hmm. I find it so refreshing also that they're filming more in D.C. Because historically, they've really filmed kind of like out in Bethesda and Rockville and like other places in Maryland. And never Potomac because there's not really, (laughs) for those that aren't around, like there's not really that many restaurants and bars. Like there are, but like nothing that's like you would think housewives. Right. So I'm glad to see them in D.C. and doing more because it also makes sense because they're all over the place I guess except for Robin who's literally in Baltimore but like (laughs) 
it it makes sense that they're filming in like kind of a central location. Right. And I don't know, when I saw them, I heard that they were filming at the Tidal Basin during the cherry blossoms. And mm-hmm. I was there two days later. And I was so Ugh. frustrated that I missed it because like, had I known they were there, I would have left work and just shown up just to like mm-hmm. catch a glimpse of them, not to like talk or anything, just to yeah. see them in the flesh. Was it you that posted like how poetic it was that like the four longtime OGs were all under the cherry blossoms? Like it was just such a moment. It was to start the season that way. And it felt like they were coming together and they were genuinely excited to film with one another. Yeah. And that's the thing too, I think, with Potomac. They do try to like low-key ruin each other's lives all season, every season. But there is this strange familial like love and understanding and respect there that even when Giselle and Robin are like talking to Ashley about how bonkers this separation is, like they're being <laughs> messy. But I also think underneath that there is a level of like genuine like, no, we care about you and we think you're not making the right choice for you and your boys. Totally. Should we dive in with that? Sure. We can dive in anywhere. You I've got follow. notes upon notes. Okay. So we've got Ashley saying that she's separating from Michael. And the reason she says separation and not divorce is because in Virginia, I have learned because I have many friends in Virginia, um, you have to be separated for a year before you can actually file for divorce. So it's a legal separation. Do you know if it's true that you can't sleep together during that time? I do not know if that is okay. true. Okay. Because that, like Giselle had said, like, if you get a coochie craving and you sleep with him, the clock starts over. And I didn't know if that was like a warning or if that was like real. I don't think that she was talking about that in a legal sense. I think she okay. was maybe talking about that in like an emotional sense. Okay. Okay. Right? That makes more sense. That's yeah. what I Because I was like, as. how could they like, I couldn't imagine going to court and being like, well, actually, on this <laughs> night, we had a couple too many Corona lights and one thing led to another. That is so funny. <laughs> I can't believe that Ashley stated on camera that she was not going to announce her separation from Michael until their loan came through for the new house that they're buying under an LLC. Yeah. Can they do anything about that? Like now that she said that or no, like once the loan think so, but they definitely got a loan under potentially false pretenses. Yeah. I mean, I guess the money's there, but not, I guess if they, yeah, I think that was a bit of a slip up because Ashley, I do think is one of the smartest housewives we have on Bravo. I think she knew exactly what she was doing from day one. I think she has been very calculated with the things she's shown and the things that she's gone through on camera. I think she was very intentional when she, in that therapy scene, brought up like, yes, our relationship used to be more fluid in terms of openness and monogamy, but I don't want that anymore. I want it to be monogamous. Like she's been very intentional of like stating her boundaries on camera so that eventually I think one day in a court of law, they could pull all that footage of her, you know, putting up with his cheating and defending him to her friends and going to therapy and like working through it. And I think this was just kind of like a slip up of like, oops. (laughs) 
<laughs> I also was kind of wondering, I understand why she was doing it the way she is, because Michael is good with money, like he has a lot of money, and doing it through an LLC, like I get it. But if you want a real separation from him where you don't depend on him entirely financially, waiting until you're separated and then getting alimony payments, right? Like she's entitled. She doesn't know if she's going to get them, but she'll certainly get child support. And so using some of those payments towards getting a house, you know? Yeah. Is that does that start during a separation or is that after the divorce? I think it's after the divorce. I think it's part yeah. of the terms of the divorce. So I can so see then, her. But being also like, she's yeah. she's making money on Bravo. But so not enough because yeah. like not enough to get the kind of house that she wants in the area that she wants. That's true. I think she yeah. still wants to be in Arlington. She wants a home. She wants to have multiple bedrooms. You know, it, and I think part of the problem with housewives is even if you get paid a six-figure salary, you spend so much of that salary on your outfits, on glam, mm-hmm. on like all kinds of things that Bravo doesn't pay for. Yeah, that's very true. I think it's so funny that Gollum Darby wants to stay in that condo, that like bachelor pad, because that was never meant for children. I have two young girls and it would always drive me like I would get itchy watching their at home scenes with all of the kids toys just like in that central living room and like all those windows. I'm like, how often is Ashley having to like Windex those windows because it's like a a wall of windows and those little grubby toddler hands. And so in that way, like good for you, Ashley, get what you want, get what you deserve. Like you ended up with two beautiful boys and like Let's just hope that Gollum Darby doesn't just turn into an absolute bridge troll that we know he already is. Because I just, I worry about, like, I have some friends going through it right now, and it's like, it can get so ugly so quick, just so unnecessarily, and I worry what that's going to look like for her. And I wonder how much of this is her just trying to keep him happy for, like, literally as long as possible. I think it's the latter. I really think she's trying to bend over backwards so that he doesn't act out. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot. Um, Next, I really want to talk about Mia. So she posts this. I remember when she posted this on social media, too. It's very, in general, her communication style, like, and her postings on social media are very opaque to me. They're not clear. I never entirely get what she's trying to say. She hints at things, but like they don't add up, right? Mm -hmm. Like the recent thing about her and G being like thrown out of the family business. I'm sorry, if you really owned that, that could never happen. So like you had to have made, unfortunately, some serious mistakes in the running of your business to make it so that someone else controlled the financials. Okay, but aside from that. Yeah. She speaks like she's using like Google Translate. Like the words <laughs> like the words she uses and like the way she explains things. Like she could instead of saying like today I went to the grocery store and I bought bananas. She would be like so I know that everyone wants food and I want food and it's important to me that I have food. So I went on this 
I went on this journey in this vehicle and I went around and I went to this place and the vestibule that has these things. And I went to the basket and I got these yellow th- and it's like, you went to the store and got bananas, like get to the point woman. And it's like, by doing all of this, she loses the point. And I, my eyes gloss over and I'm like, Oh, just tell me when it's a different scene. <laughs> when she says, like all the stuff about she's being tested and there and she's not clear about she's like, oh, I've got lumps in my body. Where in your body? <laughs> How many lumps? Are they in your breast? Are they in your lung? If they're in your lung, how did you know they were in your lung? Did you feel the lumps in your lung? Ashley's Uncle Lump is like, now why am I in this? (laughs) (laughs) But no, and she later she's like, you know, I think that my mission is bigger than me. It was my mission by God. I am the chosen one. And it's like when I was talking to my sister-in-law about this over text, she made the point. She's like, it's not like she's saying like, listen, I had this scare. I'm not out of the woods yet, but like, make sure you're going and getting your mammogram. It's so important. Early detection is so important. Like she's not giving a general message of like what, like she's not giving a PSA. She's not like, she's literally just like connecting it to other people. Right. And then even when they ask her, she's like, well, I was scared. So I posted and I understand that it's scary to go through that, but I also saw her original post and it basically was like, I have cancer. Yes. Pray for me. And then she did go back and And she edited it. it. Yeah. And I get that pathology reports can be inconclusive. So say that it was inconclusive. Don't say like, oh, I don't know. She said, I need further testing. Well, say why you need further testing. What kind of further testing? Like, I feel like there's something we're missing with this. And while it's so anxiety provoking before you get a diagnosis, I would say more anxiety than once you have a diagnosis, because you're thinking of every worst case scenario. And once you get that scenario, you're like, okay, this is the path forward, you know, whatever it is. And And there's nothing wrong with oversharing. If you want to overshare on social media and you want to document your journey, I'm not knocking that, but then just be transparent about it of like, you guys, I'm really anxious. I'm really nervous. Please don't DM me with what you think it is. But like, I just wanted to share what's going on. I have lumps in my body or whatever she wants to phrase it. Like I need more clarity than lumps in the body. (laughs) I have lumps in my body. I had tests. They need to run more tests because they it, they were inconclusive initially they thought this but it's not that and like please pray for me and my family that would be more information or maybe that's what she was trying to say but it just came across as very like kim zolciak i thought i had cancer oh but i didn't though but maybe i did you but know spend 10 minutes talking about how you may have had it right and people are not sure until you finally get to the point yeah no that was a wild thing. I also think it was really nice for Karen to give her a text with a heads up that the women were talking about this topic, just to mm-hmm. kind of be like, just so you know, they might ask you questions about it at this spring forward party. And then for Jacqueline, yeah. her friend to say it was a CYA move, which I didn't know, cover your ass I, move. Yeah, I, didn't know I was either. like, no, like you don't get how filming works. Like she's kindly telling you in a that really clever such, way. That is such a blessing. And that was such a nice thing for Karen to do because 
it's going to be talked about regardless. And I actually think that even when they do the flashback, like Karen said what she said, she said, like she was very diplomatic about all of it. Like, I think she was coming from the perspective of like, I think she needs to refocus her social media presence. And like she, Karen never was alluding to the fact that she didn't believe her. It was more like she needs to be careful with how she's posting and how it could be perceived. But yeah, Jacqueline, I'm like, who, what, who are you? First of all, to quote Dr. Wendy, who is this? But also (laughs) like for Karen to do that is actually showing immense loyalty because they are hitting the ground running with filming. And it could have been a situation where Mia walks in thinking, she's getting her first group scene of the season and Giselle greets her at the door, accusing her of faking cancer. Like, I think that that gave me a time to prepare and to like prepare her line about being the chosen one, which is a choice that that's what she came (laughs) up with. But like, I think that was so nice of Karen. Yeah. I don't really like the term chosen one. And as a Jew, I find it like odd you know? <laughs> okay. That's fair because I am not a Jew. And as a Harry Potter fan, all I can think about is like Mia's off to fight Lord Voldemort. Like, yeah, no, one. I just view it as like, oh, Abraham was chosen or Moses was chosen to do. And right. it's like, I don't know. It seems like you think it's like an almost an ego thing. Like you think God okay. is speaking directly to you and giving you a task I don't know. To post on social media, but edit it, though. (laughs) But then God spoke to her again and said, maybe edit that post, though, Mia. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I I don't want to discount people's, like, religious beliefs because I actually think, like, I'm a person of faith and I think it's, like, a beautiful thing to have that, like, relationship with God. But there's just something that feels disingenuous about it. That's why I'm, like, you know... I don't know. Yeah. Well, again, if she was giving, if she was like, this was a wake up call, I feel called now to promote mammograms or pap smears. Again, it's hard to know what, because we don't know where the lumps are, but like (laughs) if she was like going to then like make a difference to others based on this scare, or we don't know, like maybe she does have something that is going to come from these tests, but it just seemed like, so what is the calling though? Because you're not, it didn't like now you're opening a joint in DC. Like it, it, her storyline is so disconnected, which it was last year too. And I think that might be the beauty of Mia is just, she's kind of a hot mess, Yeah, but it's hard to follow sometimes. It's very hard to follow. And I actually think like, she's one of those people who, if I was able to see the inside of her head and how she drew connections, like from, she goes from like A to Z without telling us like B, C, E, D, F. Like she, and I have a friend that does that where she'll like mm-hmm. bring something up and she made connections in her head between the last topic we discussed and this current one. But I wasn't brought along for that journey. So I'm like, wait, why are you talking about that? And then she was like, well, oh, that's made me think of this, which made me think of that. And I was like, okay, I yeah. I wasn't seen where you were going, but like, thank you for letting me know now. It's really hard to have conversations with people that make linkages in their head and don't clue you into them and expect you to make those linkages yourself because that's how their brain works. 
Yeah. That's so funny you say that. Cause that's how I am. I'm like, does your friend have ADHD? Cause that's how I am. But I've also <laughs> learned. So it's really funny when my mom and I are together, we will have like total, we will move topics together. And then my poor dad is like, wait, like, how did we get, who are you talking about now? We were, are we still talking about this? And we're like, no, we've moved on like 10 steps from there, but together, but I've learned that like, I have to say, sorry, this is going to seem like a lane change, but I went from boop, 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 boop. So now we're here. Can you join me here? And that is very much how Mia is, except that she never, she never connects anybody. the dots for other and people. And sometimes I'm like, have you connected the dots yourself though? Like, do you know how you got here, Mia? <laughs> do you know why you lost all your money and control of your businesses? Because that does not just happen overnight. No. It's because you trusted? So- like, what do you mean you trusted them? Like, you gave them control of the business and assumed they would keep you on the payroll without any protections? Yeah. I None of that makes sense to me. And it makes me very sad that her and Jacqueline are now no longer friends. This was like a friend all the way from childhood. They've been friends over 20 years. And now after one season on a reality show, they hate each other. And one is accusing the other of domestic violence. Oh, shit. So see, this is my new, I don't follow the social media stuff. So I was about to say like, Jacqueline is a friend that is here to become a housewife. Like, I just, there's something there about her that like when she jumped right in there and started like speaking for Mia, I was like, oh, she's here to get the job done. Now, I do think it's kind of brilliant casting on Bravo's part to bring in an ally of Mia's because I think she needed a true ally. But then to bring in somebody that's going to turn on her, it's like, as a person, I'm sad for Mia. But as a viewer, (laughs) yeah, there was this super messy post like the day that of the first was it the day of the the first episode of the season i can't rem- okay. remember and mia posted a video of jacqueline allegedly throwing a shoe at her husband oh jesus and then was kind of saying like well uh, like you accusing her of domestic violence and then candace jumped in and was like we've all been there like and i'm like oh my god candace please well, don't be like quiet. implicate don't, yourself don't. please candace it's not <laughs> you for like, once just sh- like we can can we acknowledge it's not great to throw something at anyone else regardless of who they are but your spouse especially you know like that's not a great way to handle conflict and if it was you know, a man throwing it at a woman, we would have a lot more to say about it. So, um, but the whole thing was just like so messy and it was confusing because then you see her in this first episode and they're friends. So it's like, why are you trying to let us know what's going on now? Like, I don't want to know what's going on now. And that's the issue I have. And I had this issue with Beverly Hills. I really do think there should be a social media gag order during the season. We need to bring it back old school. If they need to bring back the blogs, bring back the blogs. Let the housewives have their four paragraphs to give their point of view and whatever tea they want to spill about the episode that has aired. Or do it like Atlanta. The Atlanta women are very good about this. They post about the episode that has just aired and rarely anything in the future. And I think that that's why Atlanta has had for many reasons, but had such an amazing run is that there isn't this element of spoilers that are being given. Like, could you imagine like 
a bachelor contestant going on their social media and being like, by the way, guys, I'm out on week four. Like everybody would riot. It shouldn't be the castmates spoiling this because now like we want to get, and probably this was me as intention, like we as viewers want to get to know Jacqueline and we want to be invested in her as like a potential friend of, or somebody that's circulating. But now Mia's kind of just like pulled the rug from under us. And we're like, well, I guess this is who she is now, you know? Yeah, it's just all of it's really nasty. And it's like, these things don't also need to be shared publicly, like for the purpose of shaming someone. Like, I don't think if you were concerned, and if you were concerned, you clearly had this footage before this very select period of time, you're going to share it. There are other ways of like, if you felt uh, you know, if you wanted to, it's just if you had messy. real concerns over domestic violence, that would be right. handled differently. Totally, you just want to ruin her reputation. Um, want to move on to Candace, one of my favorites, uh, and I feel like so. she's finally hitting her stride because I feel like she does overstep with her mouth and the things that she says, and I just want her to like stay within a lane and like hit the bumper rails, but not like bumper bowling. Like I don't want her to go into the what is it called <laughs> wherever the whenever gutter. i bowl it goes into that thing yeah. <laughs> you can't get it back <laughs> the, the gutter that, yeah. the gutter i feel like she always gets in the gutter and then it's hard to defend her because she went like someone went low and then she went lower and i just yeah. want her to see her like match the lowness you know i am a candy gal i love candace i think she is one of the funniest housewives i understand why people don't appreciate her, but I've always found her to be a very compelling character. The way I feel about Kenya of like, there are elements like you see why she is the way she is. I mean, God, anytime we have a scene with Dorothy, I'm like, well, this sums it it all up. There we (laughs) go. Ding, ding, ding. But I just, I'm, I'm, you know what, this season, I'm not going to say like, this is her year. Cause I say that every year I'm like, this could be her year of the good edit. And every year without fail, like a couple episodes pass and then she's right back in the gutter. So I will say, I wonder if a positive side effect of her going through the IVF embryo freezing process and her not drinking, if that will help her stay bumping along those bumpers and not just full on gutter ball every time you know plus ashley darby is not drinking as much yeah as much yeah she's trying she's on a journey mm-hmm. to i don't know if it's sobriety or just not drinking to be the or best version of herself good in court I yes think might be also like you know yeah no that's true um, like drinking on camera could be used against her in custody hearings i think she yeah, I think she's very smart because I've never gotten the impression and who knows, like they're, everybody's fighting battles that we don't know about. But I've never gotten the impression of all the of all the housewives we watch. Ashley Darby was never one that I was like, oh, like her relationship with alcohol is troubling. Right. So I wonder if it's just her preparing for an inevitable like court hearing where footage will be pulled. But I also I want the team up. I want the Candace Ashley Alliance, if only for a season, but I want them to join forces and just like turn everything on its head. I do too. I think they're also close in age to each other. I think they have a mm-hmm. lot more in common than they want to let on. I think they know that, right? They know that. But Ashley thought she was more mature than Candace, which mm-hmm. maybe she was, but I think Candace is maturing. It's interesting to watch her and Chris 
both have such like major changes in their career over the last Mm -hmm. year at the same time. And I think it's so relatable to see a couple struggle with balancing Mm -hmm. both careers. Yeah. And I also, I've always said this and I know I'm kind of like telling on myself whenever I say this, their relationship in a weird way reminds me of my relationship to my husband and not in a, not the way they speak to each other, the way they speak to each other when they're in conflict, I makes me like very uncomfortable. That's not how we speak, but just the fact that they really are partners, but they can call each other out and like Candace is kind of this wild card and Chris has always been able to kind of be the one to like get through to her when she's being stubborn. But I also like, I always loved my brown dick Chris. You know, (laughs) Candace says he has that brown shaft, but I worry about this edit that we're going to get from him because it's not looking good. As soon as they started showing him drinking like brown liquor in the day last season, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, we're like a season away from a really bad season for Brown Dick Chris. And here we are. I will defend him at least these first two episodes. A hundred percent. And let me tell you why. And I think you probably know all the same things I do. But so Ashley Darby, after this spring forward concert uh, event which was on my street by the way basically <laughs> it's like practically on you street it's when you turns into florida it's like six blocks from where i live okay i was like my- i can't believe they were there and i definitely remember that day it was cold and rainy my sister-in-law my brother texted me when this episode was airing and they're like oh this was like when we first started dating this was like our spot like we both had visceral flashbacks of like all of the tequila shots we took in this place <laughs> like <laughs> It's really cute. I'm glad that they held it there. It's just so funny how it looked on a really rainy day because it's Mm -hmm. not a place I would ever go when it's raining because it's more of a rooftop. Um, So then Ashley goes to Park, which is at 14th and K. It's like a popular nightclub. It's black owned. You have to be really dressed up to get in there. So the park is a direct competitor to View, which is the bar on the rooftop of the W Hotel, which where Chris is the general manager. So when Mm -hmm. he's responding to her Instagram story, which is not the same thing as a DM, he's like, you should have come to the W because it was a picture of her at park, which is a a competitive nightclub to Mm -hmm. where he worked. Like, of course, he's like, hey, he's like joking, like, next time come to the W. Yeah. And it also, if you work in the service industry, if you're working in that job, 245, like you are, you have just closed, you're just starting the cleanup of the night, like you could be working until like four in the morning. Like he was still working. It wasn't a 245, like you up text, but also I think it's. It's this thing of like, yes, it is much different to respond to an Instagram story, but also it's a thing of like, he knows Candace and Ashley have been like repairing their friendship also. So not only is it like a, you're a real housewife, you could have taken a picture at my bar and we could have gotten the promo, but it also could have been like a, you should have come here. I would have hooked you guys up. Like, I think it's more of that. I think Candace is trying to make it about promo and all that, but like, 
I think it's we've he, seen Chris yeah. want to mend that fence. We've seen him totally. like sweeping up, talking to Ashley. Like we've seen him want. I think Chris wants Candace to have authentic friendships, and he wants to like help make that happen. And that's something like I have friends in the service industry, and it's like that's their love language of being like, come here, I'll hook it up. Like I'll get you guys drinks or food or like, you know, I want to do this. And also for all the people saying like he's a deadbeat and all that, to be a general manager of that bar is a big deal. Huge. It's a huge deal. That is a place that like, it's so nice. It has some of the, it's called View. It has some of the best views in Washington, D.C. at this like old hotel that is so well known and so famous for so many reasons Mm -hmm. in a really like cool area. I mean, you could see the whole mall. You can see that I went to the roof of the W after graduating from GW. Like that's where my family went for lunch. And it was like a treat. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't think he's a deadbeat at all. I've never thought that. I think he's like an incredible husband and a nice person. And so I think he gets the same treatment. Sorry to interrupt you, but I think he gets the same treatment as Todd from Atlanta of like, and I think there's some weird like internalized misogyny that comes along with this train of thought of like, if a woman is more successful than a man, and I know Candace does come from generational wealth and like, you know, she's coming up herself, but like she does have that element like Tinsley adjacent or so many of these housewives adjacent that we see. But I think there's this element of like, if the man isn't the breadwinner, then they're automatically the, like a deadbeat or like, a Klingon or like trying their coattails. Yeah. And it's like, but also they could just be a partnership and offering their partner support. And it could be like a, it just, there's something weird about that. Like just a weird conversation that takes place specifically with those two relationships. I agree. I think people have this idea that like women shouldn't be, if they're working so hard to support their man, Rather, like it's a negative thing versus men working really hard to support their wife. Like that's not looked at negatively. It's like, oh, you shouldn't have to work so hard to support him. It's like, what? They'd be working that hard regardless of if they had a husband or not. And Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. And I think with Candace, it's also wrapped up in the like generational wealth and the, you know, her mom brought her, bought her home and all of that. And I just think, Whatever. I wish that I had generational wealth for my parents to buy me a new furnace. So, you know, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) And I was really disappointed in Giselle. She always does this, but it seemed so transparent this time to like bring up, oh, Chris once made me feel uncomfortable because he wanted to have a private conversation with me at a time when we were feuding very like loudly at the reunion. And this whole idea, like, what did she say? I don't want to be in a bedroom alone with a man. Where is there a bedroom on the set of the reunion? Because this happened on the set of the reunion. And then she couldn't provide specifics. She's like, "Uh, it's kind of hazy. I don't really remember what we talked about. I'm like, because nothing negative happened. So you're trying to make it unclear, Yeah. And this is where I think Giselle is like in 
treacherous water here. I've given Giselle a pass for how messy she's been in the past because she's always been, with the exception of last season, that's when it started getting dicey for me. She's always been open about her life. So that's my thing as a viewer. Like Ashley Darby, perfect example. She was just as messy as Giselle these first two episodes, but she's also sharing her messy separation from Gollum Darby. Like she's willing to show her life so then that gives her the green light to then show other people's lives and be messy. And I think where you get into like Lisa Rinna territory is when you are not willing to, when you're not willing to be open about what's actually going on in your life and you're trying to make other people your storyline, that's when the viewership turns on you. And I felt like that Giselle saw an opening. She saw this DM situation with Ashley who was being messy, but was also giving us a kickoff to this show and knew it could be easily resolved and blah, blah, blah. She saw this opening and then like turned it into this whole like pile on situation. And it's like, at the end of the day, what are you trying to say, Giselle? You're either trying to say he was going to get violent with you or he was going to like do something really bad to you Mm -hmm. in this private room that you like wanted your glam squad there for. And I understood Candace being like, what the fuck? Like, This is a guy who looks at you like a sister. Like we've been through this weird housewives world together. Even if he was there to vent about Candace, like, yeah, I'm sure that guy has a lot to vent about and who better to understand. I mean, that's just a bad thing to do to gossip to the biggest shit stirrer on the cast. But like the cast is going to understand what you're going through in terms of like filming and production side and frustration like, I, and frustration. I like i just it was so yeah. messy he didn't also talk about candace because if he did you know she would spill all of it that's true there's that's no way that point. that's what that was about so this is where i may be kind of like judgmental but i'm trying to keep an open mind i find that women who have been in heterosexual relationships with men who have cheated on them frequently or in a way that was extremely hurtful Mm -hmm. cannot or have difficulty comprehending there are men out there who don't even think about cheating. Like they think every man, if given the chance, would cheat. And they don't seem to understand that there are some men who are happily married or even not happily married, that would never contemplate cheating. And because of that, they may never feel uncomfortable in a room with another woman because that's Mm -hmm. the last thing on their mind, especially a coworker. And Mm -hmm. that's what Giselle is to Chris, a coworker, like a friend, but they were on set at work when this happened. And I felt like him saying like not now we'll talk later that seemed to me like we are friends i'm pissed at you but i know i have a hot mic and we'll discuss this later because our relationship is more important than like getting this moment on camera i also think like and i don't know like i hope that that brown dick chris is keeping that brown dick in his pants but i also think that it wouldn't be with somebody that he 
she works with. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be at a reunion. He wouldn't be like trying to have like, you, you think about like what Giselle is implying. She's implying that he's like trying to have sex with her in a dressing room at the Real Housewives of Bravo reunion with like Andy Cohen potentially like right next door with cameras. Like right. it's and it's I think there's also this element of I don't know if Giselle has male friends. That there too. is an element of like because she's been hurt and rightfully so, I don't know if she trusts men enough to have platonic male friendships. But this to me is like if one of my friends, boyfriends pissed me off. I might say like, Hey, can we go over here? Like, I really want to talk to you about this. And I wouldn't feel weird about it, but I just think like the implications of what she's saying and the way she's going about it. I understand Robin, like who had heard this before being like, no, that's not weird. Like stop. And I, you know, it's one thing like to dismiss your friend, but I think I, I view Robin as a very good gauge of like, Giselle because even when Giselle's being very messy Robin will like there she has a line in the sand and for it seemed like Robin this was like disgusting to her a little bit yeah it just makes me sad that and then Giselle also has the thing where she thinks that because she's so gorgeous that every man wants her and not every man wants her even if they do find her beautiful Like Mm -hmm. that's, and she just, I think both her and Ashley have this assumption that when men are coming to them, it's because they want something from them sexually and not because they want to have a conversation. And it just, it makes me sad for Candace because I totally empathize with her when she was having her, like they broke the fourth wall and she's yelling at the executive producer. And he's like, we have Michael Darby. He's the person who actually makes others feel uncomfortable. He's the person who's been inappropriate with other people here. Not my husband. Now you're trying to make my husband a bad guy. Was the person she asked for by name, just like her producer, or was that the person that Michael had touched? It's the executive producer. The person Michael had touched was the cameraman. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I just, I find it kind of gross. And I just want Giselle to finally like share more of her own life and not just her kids. Like, we know that you're dating people. Like, I think she is. Why don't you share that? Why don't you share what's going on with your career? Or what I don't know, anything, anything in your life, you know? Yeah. And that's you're, where it gets... Yeah. That's where it gets dicey as a viewer because it's like if the only thing that you're offering is your messiness in relation to other people, then you should be a friend of. And if that's the role that you want to take, great. I would love Giselle as a friend of to show up to every event, to get messy, to stir the pot, to be unnecessarily shady. Like that's great. But then we don't need you as a full-time housewife because now we have this filler of like what is her storyline going to be? Yeah, what's going on? Do we even know? Do we even have like a? I mean, all of her scenes are with her girls, which I love. Maybe uh, she's thinking about like when she becomes an empty nester. They're all in high school. You know, that's a big thing to deal with as a single mom. Like you will be actually alone in that Mm -hmm. (laughs) really ugly house. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know anything. (sighs) Okay. Speaking of storylines, I 
cannot for the life of me follow Wendy Osefos. I'm so concerned. I'm so con- I like Dr. Wendy. I really do. I'm so worried about her and Eddie just because she has completely changed her life since being cast. And there's nothing wrong with deciding you want something different from life or pivoting or doing whatever, but it just seems like she is trying to find something. And it was like, first it was going to be candles and then it was going to be now this bar with Peter where it's also a library for four-year-olds. It's like, what is actually (laughs) happening here? I am so confused and so worried. I feel like, I don't know where her real life like starts and the storyline ends like it it's all very confusing she seems to think that every year you should have a new business that you show or something like that it is not possible to have that many primary passions and interests oh. it's not you can't and even if you did you couldn't act on all of them and so she's like complaining about how busy she is, yet she's taking on more things and it makes no sense. And I and think, all of these yeah, things cost so much money, so much money that I don't think they have. No. So if she doesn't want to do to teach, does she want to still do commentary? If she doesn't want to do commentary, does she want like find one thing to focus on? rather than like so many things and then complain how busy you are. But it just doesn't feel like we met the real authentic Wendy. It seems like she watches herself. I loved her the first season. Mm -hmm. Then she saw herself on camera and she decided to make a bunch of changes, both to like her interests, her body, everything. And now it's like more change. It's like, this isn't what we need, Wendy. We want to know who you are. But I think she doesn't know who she is. No, and it it's concerning just because, again, there's nothing wrong with if she had been cast and she was like, this is what I want. I don't want to be a teacher anymore. I don't want to do commentary. Like, that was a great thing that I got to do. But now this is where I want to be. And that's fine. Like we're all allowed to reevaluate our lives and do what makes us feel happy. I think the issue with the authenticity is it's hard, like you said, to tell what's authentic and what's not just because we don't really have a baseline of, and I think this is like what the women were really (laughs) poorly explaining last season of like saying like they don't really feel like they know Wendy. Mm -hmm. I think it came across as very body shaming and like not supportive of her decisions in terms of like physical changes she made when they were trying to articulate themselves. But I don't think it had as much to do with like physical changes as just like she's a completely different person. And I do worry because I felt like, and it's hard to tell and who knows what's real and what's put on, but like, I felt like that first season, her and Eddie seemed so connected and they had such an, a really devastating, but like powerful story of like what they sacrificed for their relationship. And I just feel like for the past two seasons now, Eddie's role is to be like the naysayer, but kind of the Greek chorus of like, why are you doing this? And if this is real and is not just a storyline, like I couldn't imagine what my husband would think if I was like, oh, by the way, just need a casual like 
$200,000 investment on this restaurant, even though I have no expertise, because you know, what better time to go into the service industry than after a pandemic and before a recession, <laughs> you know, like no experience. It's fine. I got Peter from Atlanta. What could go wrong? You yeah. Know? And he did, wasn't even able to keep bar one open in Atlanta. Like, I know it's so hard in those industries where so many people fail. And then the candle industry and the home essential industry, like you're not Martha Stewart. You don't have the name to be able to get into the market like that. Also, why didn't she name those candles Zen Wen? If she was going to say that, like then Zen Wen, you know? And I think a good example is actually our Dr. Tiffany Moon, who is an anesthesiologist. That is a true passion of hers, but she also has this incredible candle line that is connected to her being an anesthesiologist, where all the candles, many of them are given names that are drugs that are used to put people asleep. And then they have scents that are like, she has propofol. I I have a candle that's propofol or something lazapam. I don't know. It's like one of those that like makes you like chill. And that's actually my favorite scent. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like, and it has the drug information, like what an FDA label would be on the back. Like it's so, it does But it's feel connected and connected. it feels apart. Yeah. And that's a unique thing for those candles. It's different from other candles, right? Right. And it's also then you're going off of like you're using the housewives like you're you're taking the bravo community but you're making it like a this still makes me feel like I'm buying from a housewife and I'm connected to what her storyline was but with Wendy it's like there's not I don't know I just I I I'm rooting for her I want her to like I, but even like this episode what did she really give us except for that a very admittedly funny line of like wait who is this but like I just I don't even know what her personality is in a group because it's so rehearsed and like over the top. She's I think she's not in tune with her true authentic self. And I think maybe she was more prior to being on the show. And then she let all of her insecurities and all the things that other people said about her to get to her and maybe question the core of who she is. I mean, it seems erratic to want to invest money in this many different things in such short a period of time. It just seems like she's searching for something. And again, I want to be clear, like there's nothing wrong if she decided like this past career, I want to move forward. I want to do something else. There's nothing wrong with changing careers or choosing different interests, but there is a level of like instability there where it just seems like she doesn't quite know. And I do think you're right. I think it's like, oh, well, it's a new season. So a new business venture. And maybe this will turn out as like, actually, I'm not going to invest in this one, Peter, like catch you on the flip side. But even still, then that feels inauthentic. Like I would so much rather, even if it was like a throwaway scene every few episodes of her just like in her office recording commentary. That's so cool. Every time they show, because she's still doing it. It's not like she hated that part of her life so much that she stopped. No, but I've like, seen her live on TV. So, it's so cool to see her. Like there would be – she. I think that maybe she's just doing too much and she thinks she needs to do more. more. But like her at-home scenes could be her with her kids because her kids are fucking adorable and she's a wonderful mom. And I love seeing those like at-home scenes because like her boys running around. I'm like, yep, that's my life. Like no control. They are running the show. Like I love that. Her daughter's beautiful. Like 
her scenes could be that. And then her like behind a screen, giving her thoughts on something and then them showing the news clip of like her actually on TV. Cause she's on TV giving commentary, like not any other housewife is doing that. I think she was good enough that first season. I loved her. I related to her. I understood her like story, you know, being a child of immigrants and like, you know, being an immigrant and just all of that was so relatable and authentic and true. And she's just sort of like lost me because I'm like, well, you're you don't even talk the same. Yeah. And I just again, I just don't know, like you said in the beginning of like, we've known all these women for so long, we can almost predict them. So then when they surprise us, it's like delightful because you're like, oh, I wasn't anticipating that. But I don't know Wendy. I don't. I don't know her like that. That's part of it. It's hard when someone starts the show to change themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen it a few other times where it's usually one and done housewives or like, I'm going to go on the show because I'm going to get a divorce and I'm going to invent myself. You know what? That's the difference, though, is that typically when people go on the show to change themselves, it's to get a divorce. So then we do see the like reborn from the ashes. Everything is new, new house, new life, new everything, because this previous version of myself and typically it's women who like the man was controlling the finances and, you know, Mm -hmm. so maybe that's the difference. It's like, we're still seeing her in her presumably like stable family unit, but it's like off putting because it's like, okay, all of this is the same, but then we're seeing your husband who has been very supportive, just not supporting any of these choices. And that gives me pause. Cause it's like, so this is either just a fake storyline or like your husband's genuinely concerned. Yeah. I really hope she like gets it together and, I want her to feel I've heard interviews with her where she's just like horrified by the wig she wore or by the outfit that she used. And like, Mm -hmm. who cares? Like, she's so I that is where I felt like her obsession with her looks. And granted, any of us would have this right if we were on TV week after week, we would have body dysmorphia and worried about how we looked and stuff. But I did think it was, and I'm going to be judgmental here. Like I thought it was extreme for her to go under not one, but two cosmetic procedures, including one that has the highest fatality rate of any plastic surgery you can get in the entire world, including if you get it by board certified surgeons. I'm talking about the BBL. It's a the dangerous BBL. procedure. Okay. Um, it has been clinically reviewed that one in 3,000 patients die from that procedure if it's done by someone who is certified in plastic surgery, who is board certification. So that's the rate that we're dealing with. Maybe it's getting better, right? Like liposuction is getting a little bit less dangerous. It used to be one of the most dangerous procedures in the 90s. You know, as time goes on, things become less dangerous. But that one is very dangerous. And as someone who I think is really, really smart, I it's hard for me to wrap my head around why she would choose to undergo not the breast augmentation, like that is a very safe procedure, but a procedure that's like so unsafe that multiple plastic surgeons refuse to do it. And I don't think that's talked about 
the BBL, like in the dangers is ever talked about. Cause I just feel I've associated it with like the Reddit threads I've gotten of like the people sleeping with their heads on the seats on the flights mm-hmm. home from places because like they can't sit on their butts. And that's mm-hmm. like how common it is that it's like a whole plane full of people that have just gotten this. And I don't begrudge her for the plastic surgery. I understand what you're saying. And yeah. I, I do think it speaks to a larger issue. And I think I see myself in that of like, I think if I was on reality TV, like, I don't know how I would respond to any of totally. it. It's just watching yourself back. But I, my thing is like the changes to the personality that we saw. And again, like you can make changes in your life. You can decide you want something different, but there does seem to be a level of not even knowing what you actually want, or maybe just fake storylines. And either way, that's not a good housewife. That's, that's kind of what a lot of it comes back to also. I also attributed like choosing to get a BBL to a change in personality as someone who was so thoughtful about her school, about every little decision she made, running it by her mom, like not wanting to like ever mess up. And maybe that's why she like, you know, decided to do something completely different, right? Where she doesn't care what anyone thinks, but she's someone who understands risk you know she's yeah i think there's a lot of people who don't who don't pay attention who don't read about a procedure prior to getting it but she's someone who does from what we know of her and that was what was really hard for me to wrap my head around i'm like i get getting a boob job i get getting a lift getting a tummy tuck whatever but like this whole other thing of taking fat from one part of your body and re-injecting it into another is not a fully proven safe thing to do and I think she's too smart to you know yeah she had read the risk and she she'd read the risk and she decided like oh that I'm it's a risk I'm willing to take and that just doesn't make sense to me knowing who she is and how risk averse she had been her whole life and then talking about risk averse then to be literally going into the most risky business exactly potentially investing into the restaurant industry Literally, we don't have people to work. Like people don't want to work in the service industry because of how shitty they're treated after the pandemic. And it, they're also just, there's no job. Like it's just a mess. It's none of it. Like restaurants who that have been established with clientele and great staff are going under. So why do you think now you're without any experience going to go into business with a person who has had a failed restaurant and is going to, that's going to be okay. I don't know. It's really it's sad. Hey, if mess. Oz can go under. <laughs> <laughs> is there hope for anything? Is there hope for anyone else? <laughs> the kangaroo meat isn't selling. What's going to happen to the rest of us? Oh, my God. Well, I felt like we spent a lot of time, or I spent a lot of time judging um, Dr. Wendy. So I apologize to the listeners uh, if I offended anyone. I just, I had, I loved her so much and I feel very disappointed because she, I feel like she's changed. I still have hope because she still has those moments of being the Greek chorus and being the voice of reason. And especially in her confessional, she always is able to like speak my thoughts out loud when it pertains to like social dynamics. Like she's so smart and she's so like socially smart too, in terms of like reading those like true intentions and who's being shady and who's not. But I just, I want to see, I almost want to see like her confessional version of herself back into the group because I think that she 
she has so much potential of being this amazing, unique housewife. She has so she has such a rich backstory. She has such a beautiful family. She has such interesting thoughts. She has such an interesting career. And it's just like I want her to just succeed. And it's I've I've been a Dr. Wendy apologist for a long time, but I think these first two episodes, I'm finally like, all right, girl, like, come on. Yeah. Let's get it together. I so I I was an apologist too. And then I really started to um, disagree like last, last year and then seeing her again, I'm like, this is not, I don't know. It's not working as a housewife. Cause I feel like she's not forming those authentic relationships with the other women. Mm-hmm. It's just Candace. And she seems to have major issues with the other women. And she doesn't seem to be able to move past things the way that they all somehow are able to move. We have to, you have to play the game. You have to, you play, have the to play the game. And when Giselle is recoiling at your just mere approach of her, you're doing something wrong. And yes, it was an amazing moment to be like, nope, no, thank you. No touching. But like, you're doing something wrong. If you can't even have that initial scene of like mutual shade together. Totally. Well, to end, what are you most looking forward to this season? All of it. I'm so excited to have these women back. Um, I think the potential of the Candace Ashley join up, join forces, meet up alliance is what I'm looking forward to. And I want to say like a potential redemption for Candace, just because it's always great to see somebody that you have been like, you know, getting shit for liking having a good season, but I'm just not going to even have hope that far. So I'm just going to say Ashley and Candace join joining forces. I think I'm most excited to see Giselle and Robin have different opinions on things. I really yeah. haven't seen much of that. Like, I know she's called Giselle out, but in the most gentle of ways, to mm-hmm. see her be like, no, actually, I don't think that's what happened. And I think she's going to probably stick to that if this story keeps going. Like, I can't see her. Unless well, she was new even information. still, she was even still defending Candace at BravoCon, like oh. with Giselle on the stage, apparently. Yep. Now, it wasn't at BravoCon, but I've seen, you know. So I think it is going to continue and then if i could be so audacious as to get excited for season eight i would love to see a luke appearance (laughs) i know oh my god so many people messaged me about like when they met luke how he acted like because i love luke i just think he's like Mm -hmm. a nice person and he's the only bravo liberty that i chat with online um my sister-in-law was so upset and my brother who they are married. My brother was like, um, okay, cool. But you're seeming like actually upset that Luke is dating Ashley. So like, <laughs> let's rein that in. But you know who we have to give credit to is Real Moms of Bravo. Yes. They posted, they posted about it. Yes. And then it was Ashley on Watch What Happens Live that was like, Real Moms of Bravo said I should hook up with Luke. So Luke, if you're watching and then the rest. And is then it story. got back to Luke. I'm sure it was Lindsay Hubbard that told him what happened. Because <laughs> there's you no know, way he's Luke was like Bravo. in a shed somewhere making jewelry. And Lindsay was like, hey, watch what happens live. The hottest one on Potomac wants to hang out with you. I would love to see that because I think he's a nice person. And I think she's like sweet too. And I think she just deserves like a nice guy. 
but also their interests. Like I could see them living in like a yurt together and her doing yoga yes. and him <laughs> making his jewelry and just like going living on, off like, the land and uh-huh. doing cleanses and yeah, get becoming one with nature. Totally. Mm-hmm. I, I see it and I'm very excited about it. So excited. Yeah. <laughs> well, Chelsea, tell everyone where they can find you, where they can listen to your hilarious podcast with Donnie. Anything else you want to plug? Well, thank you. First, thank you so much for having me on. Um, If anybody's listening that has a Bravo podcast, I know I'm not like Bravo centric on my Instagram anymore, but I still please have me on. I'd love to talk about it if I'm watching the show. Now, I will say Mandy invited me on before and I was like, sorry, not watching. So happy to talk Potomac, Salt Lake City, all the things. But if you want to hear me talk about movies from the 90s and 2000s that I definitely should have seen, but probably haven't. You can listen to I Am the Cute One with me and my co-host, Donnie. Um, We just did I Know What You Did Last Summer in honor of Spooky Season. We have Practical Magic with Hannah Brown coming out this Sunday. So, Or actually, today, when this episode comes out, Practical Magic will be out. So just tune in there. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah. Bye.